0: The CNBC app. Global market news in one place. Customizable sections and personalized alerts. Stocks tracking, interactive charts and market insights all in your hands. Stay connected. Stay informed. Download the CNBC app today.
1: Well, first of all, happy Thanksgiving to all of you. It's Thursday and these are your headlines. Germany unveils its new government with the Greens set to take the foreign and economy ministries. The FDP gets finance and SPD's Olaf Scholz prepares to become chancellor.
2: Our goal is to lead the first alliance of red, green and yellow at the federal level. A coalition on equal terms as three partners bringing their strengths to bear for the good of our country.
1: Well, Herr Scholz says the new government will consider expanding jab mandates whilst Italy widens restrictions on the unvaccinated. And the WHO warns Europe is now at the centre, the epicentre of the pandemic. US Fed members are ready to raise rates if prices continue to run high. This is what minutes show as the central bank's preferred inflation measure, wait for it, now jumps 4.1% on the year in October. And the U.S. adds a dozen Chinese tech firms to its trade blacklist, citing national security and foreign policy concerns. Right, as I said to you, Happy Thanksgiving as well. And if you're in Germany and you want to end to the political procrastination uh, about the new government, well, we, we're there. And it didn't take that long. It can take a lot longer. We've seen it in the Netherlands, we've seen it in Germany previously. Long, long time these things can take as well. So the acting chancellor, Frau Merkel, well, she doesn't have to be acting for much longer. We have a new chancellor. So Germany's Social Democrats, the Green Party and pro-business FDP. And why do we always call them pro-business FDP? Aren't all parties pro-business? What's the opposite of pro? Anti. So do we then have to put the moniker anti-business on everyone else's? I just wonder, because I know we always say they're uh, pro-business. Uh, I wonder how pro? We'll ask Annette of that a little bit later on. Anyway, they've agreed to form the country's first ever three-way governing coalition, paving the way for Olaf Scholz to take over, as mentioned, from Angela Merkel as chancellor. The so-called traffic-like coalition parties presented their agreement on Wednesday, after almost two months of negotiations. Now climate and modernization will be at the center of the deal, of the mandate for this government. Now announcing the new traffic light coalition, uh, the designated chancellor. So we've got an acting chancellor and we've got a designated chancellor. Well, the latter, Olaf Schulz, said the three parties are united in their vision.
2: Unseint der Glaube an den Fortschritt. We are united by a belief in progress and that politics can achieve something good. We are united by the will to make the country better, to move it forward and to keep it together. We are not about lowest common denominator politics, but about high-impact politics. We want to dare to do something about climate protection, the restructuring of our industry, the modernisation of our country, the strengthening of social cohesion. We want to dare more progress.
1: So Scholz also announced the new government intends to step up COVID restrictions as Germany continues to battle rising infections and unfortunately deaths as well. Those restrictions could include a vaccination mandate for targeted groups. Herr Scholz said the new government's first priority will be to see Germany through its latest COVID crisis.
2: I know we'd all hoped this winter wouldn't be another Covid winter. But despite the vaccinations, we've still not overcome the virus. We have to work together and stick to hygiene rules, maintain social distancing and observe mask mandates to get through this more or less intact. Together, it's in our hands to break this fourth wave. The new federal government will do all it can to carry the country through this moment.
1: Well, as you can see over my left hand shoulder, my great friend and colleague who knows all about this kind of stuff is there waiting for us. You've seen us through the pre-election. You saw us through the election. Now we have a new government. Uh, Is Germany impressed with this new government, Annette? Good morning to you.
3: Good morning to you as well. So uh, I think Germany is still discussing what that new government means. The coalition contract is really long and some are also already calling it not ambitious enough and uh, not good enough when it comes to especially the energy transition. And some also don't think that um, Annalena Baerbock as a foreign minister can represent us um, on, on the international stage. But I think it's early to kind of criticize them just we need to leave them some room to yeah, explore and also explain to us what they are going to want they want to do differently. I thought it was interesting that they started their coalition uh, contract press conference yesterday with a very long view on COVID because that has been criticized quite a lot that Olaf Scholz and the whole team was just radio silent about the escalating situation of the coronavirus spreading in Germany. So essentially that that was center stage yesterday at the press conference because clearly they need to enact um, policy measures now to prevent the virus spreading even more violently than it's already doing at, at that stage. Um, but perhaps we, we listen in what Robert Habeck, who is the co-leader of the Greens and the new economy minister of Germany, has to say.
2: Und
0: At the core of this new history we're writing together is the tying together of well-being and climate protection. Like a red thread, we are pulling on the notion that opposing ideas can be overcome and complement each other to forge a new kind of politics, and nowhere can this be seen more than in the relationship between well-being and growth and the protection of climate and natural resources.
3: So as I was saying, foreign policy, I think, might be one of the biggest sort of uh, topics which could change from Germany. With Angela Merkel, we had 16 years of business first and like reliable partnerships. But Annalena Baerbock has been quite outspoken about that. She wants to have an active role in the uh, foreign policy and an active role for Germany in the world. So take a listen of what she has to say. We are living at a point
0: in time where the crises happening directly around us in Central Europe are getting more serious. Look at the situation in Belarus and the situation on the outer borders of Europe. Together we've all agreed to return to a more proactive European foreign policy that rests on the strengths of diplomacy and dialogue and on value and human rights-based cooperation.
3: Last but not least, of course, the finance issue will be predominant for the next four years here in Germany because clearly all these um, the the push into green energy, the push into more digitalization will need a lot of money and um, Christian Lindner will be the next finance minister in Germany. He is the leader of the of the Liberal Party and he will preside over the finances of Germany. So take a listen in what he has to say as well and um, who
0: he is.
2: We've agreed, firstly, that Germany maintains its solid finances. This is particularly important at a time when many are worried about the devaluation of their money. We will succeed in lifting the broad middle of this country through various policies and programs without imposing new burdens elsewhere. Second, we have so many private initiatives, private know-how and private capital. And we want to unleash this to drive the way towards a decarbonized, digitalized and technological nation that can provide more growth and well-being to more people.
3: So there you have it. The solid finance issue will be predominant also for the next four years. And um, I think they have been quite successful in bridging those gaps because the Greens entered the coalition talks with the pledge to have a 500 billion euro uh, outside budget um, investment vehicle. And there's no word about that anymore. But the key question still prevails, how how do they want to finance all these spendings, and we haven't heard from the coalition yet whether there are concrete plans, and I haven't seen any concrete plans. And I guess this discussion will be predominant because clearly if they're not starting um, with the the spending and starting with the transformation uh, pretty soon, the industry will be um, not happy, to say the least, because clearly they need to shoulder that huge transformation they are facing because of the energy transition and that needs a lot of investment to keep Germany energy secure, otherwise we really are at risk of escalating energy prices, which we are anyway already seeing at some point.
1: Yeah, and, and this is the point, isn't it? We're in the honeymoon period, or we certainly will be once they all get uh, uh, brought into office as well. So we're in this wonderful honeymoon period where they haven't made any policies that have upset anybody yet, or they haven't actually done anything, they've just talked about what they're going to do as well. But I, I, I thought that Lintner sound was absolutely, well, key, we, they've This government has promised the world on climate, on transition, on post-Covid, on digitalisation, on sound economic fundamentals. And yet Herr Lindner is saying, actually, we're not going to compromise on our, our financial principles that have been so dear to Germans for the best part of 100 years as well. I, I, I can't quite see how that's going to work, i.e. the spending of all that money, plus satiating European partners who are expecting Germany to open the taps now, or at least use their balance sheet to help others open the taps. How's this going to work?
3: That's a good question, Steve. I mean, there are little tricks and shenanigans um, here also in Germany. For example, if you go to the municipal level, uh, those um, municipalities, they don't count into the debt break. So, A, that could be at least a little solution to the problem that you raise debt on the municipal level. And then another solution could be the state-owned bank, KFW, um, which could also raise more money and could invest a lot into renewable energy but i think the most favored solution is a um sort of it's not a private uh, it's not a ppp program like a public private partnership program but it could be like an investment vehicle with some seed money from the state and then more money coming in like a private equity company in a way uh, more more equity coming in from from private players that could be a solution at least that's what i'm hearing but we are far from finalizing those issues and nobody really knows how they want to finance the whole thing if they want to keep the debt break in in place and given that the corona situation is far away from over and we have for example short-term working schemes still in place we have a lot of subsidies still in place so that costs an awful lot of money but most likely for another two or three months or four months perhaps steve
1: David Marsh is waiting in the wings. I'm going to come to you one more time, though, very quickly. You, you say that the government or certainly government bodies or municipal bodies could be some form of private equity plan. Because I've been around long enough, and, and maybe you have as well, Anetta, to remember when Franz Munterfering of the SPD turned around and called private equity companies <laughs> locusts. Yes. So that was 16 years ago when Muntafering yes, yes, said they're locusts. And now we've got an SPD <laughs> government that is embracing uh, private equity. My, how things have changed.
3: Yes. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. (laughs) Franz Münterfaring has retired. So private equity, I think, has kind of sort of reestablished itself here also in Germany. And they're sort of a good customer, I would say. Um, they're not no longer seen as being super hostile. So I think things have also changed and also. The, the SPD itself might have, might not have changed tremendously, but Olaf Scholz is a very rational player when it comes to yep. finding solutions, I would say. I didn't say that private equity is taking over Germany, Steve.
1: No, I know you didn't. <laughs> you said some form of private equity type operation or words to that effect. I think it's a great conversation. Yeah. My, how things have changed in less than a generation. <laughs> Go and get yourself warm, get yourself a coffee. Uh, I will talk to you throughout the rest of the show. You are the key person on this show today. And uh, my goodness me, you're the only other person oh, on this show. Thank so, um, you so we much, need you. Yeah. Right, let's get to David Marsh, who is chairman uh, at the Official Monetary and Financial Institutions Forum. It's actually on 5th as well. David, you've been around as long as I have. I wouldn't say longer, but you, maybe a little bit longer. But you remember the days when uh, private equity was locus. And it, funnily enough, just coincided with the start, that comment, of Frau Merkel's regime, her rule. So I want to go backwards before we go forwards. How do we. Encapsulate the success or failure of the era of Merkel Good morning to you my friend
0: yeah good good morning, Steve. Well, I was listening to what Annette says and and of course it is right that private equity has been something of a a bad word in Germany. It still is in lots of circles. I don't think things have changed that much Mr mutterfering of course has retired to the great uh, wall in the sky. I mean, he unfortunately died a few years ago, but there's still a lot of antipathy towards private equity, uh, particularly amongst the Greens. So this is without any doubt, they're not giving them the whole country, as Anetta says, and I think there will be difficulties in setting up these private-public partnerships. Don't forget Mr Steinbock, when he was the finance minister under one of the former grand coalitions, he also wanted to bring in lots of public-private partnerships, and I remember the coalition agreement then did mention all these words. They actually had more English words in the uh, Steinbock era than there are now. So we have been here before, and I think there'll be all kinds of rather awkward compromises. But as you said, Steve, they're trying to do everything. They're trying to keep the debt break. And yet, launch is immense programme. And there's going to be tensions and spills and strains along the way. It's not going to be an easy ride uh, at all. I think they've done the easy part in a way. It, they've only taken a couple of months to get this coalition uh, done. Uh, that's much better, as you know, than what happened in 2018, where I mean, it took nearly six months to get the coalition agreed. This is uh, an unusual coalition three-party coalition. Uh, They've done this very well, but I think the clock starts ticking when Mr Schultz is elected as Chancellor, which will take place uh, in just a couple of weeks' time. Then people will be expecting this honeymoon, 100 days or whatever it is, they'll be expecting some quick action in that time. And there's bound to be disagreements and disappointments along the way.
1: Yeah, I I just don't see how Um, some of the economic and energy um aspirations are going to fit in, i.e. you've got a vast amount of coal still, albeit with aspirations to get rid of coal uh, by the end of this decade in some way, shape or form. You've got a vast amount of gas and going to be a far more gas as well coming in, albeit of aspirations 10 years after that to uh, lessen that flow aggressively as well. But you've got this security aspect, which Aneta was very careful to mention security two or three times uh, in that report just now as well. Again, I don't see how the Greens can hang on in there uh, if indeed some of these um, issues become compromises in the very near future.
0: Well, it is going to be difficult for the greens and there's been quite a number of newspaper articles pointing out that they they are their backs are now to the wall if the greens don't deliver on these promises and do well in the next four years, then there's a strong chance that they will be not just out of government, maybe even out of parliament, because this is really for the first time they're stepping up to the plate as a major coalition partner. They were very much the junior partner when we had the uh, Joska Fischer as foreign minister under Gerhard Schröder at the beginning of the decade. This time they're really taking over some very powerful ministries. If you take something, Steve, which you mentioned, coal, uh, they're still really rather pussyfooting around this because th- their aim is to get rid of the lignite plants, ideally, they say, by 2030. Anybody who knows anything about energy knows that they can't just get rid of the lignite plants because they're shutting down the nuclear plants. Uh, the last ones go off the grid Uh, in the next few months. And they do need this baseload electricity, which lignite at the moment produces. And that's why they've simply said, ideally by 2030, that's a little weasel world in the coalition that's bound to lead to some strife with the Greens. Now, gas is really interesting. There's a lot of stuff in the coalition agreement about building gas-fired power stations and making them also dual capability so they can also be switched to taking hydrogen as a fuel in the next 10 or 15 years Uh, The Greens are not very keen on gas. A lot of it comes from Russia. This pipeline, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, that's going to be coming on stream, even though it's not been approved. That's going to be a big area where there will be strains and tensions with the coalition. And also take this target 80% of the electricity should be done through renewable means by the year 2030 from 50% at the moment. Lots of experts in this field think that Germany, a country with its engineering and financial capability, should have put into place by now 80% renewable generation of electricity. In fact, it's not, it's 50%. One of the major failures of the Merkel government has been that the renewable capability has not come on stream as quickly as it should have done. Uh, And one of the reasons for that is not actually financing, there's plenty of money around, is actually all the different uh, approval processes up and down the country. The Greens may be very much in favour of all these renewable plants at a big um, national level but when it comes to the local planning procedures it's extremely difficult and speeding all these things up it's not something a finance minister can just lift his hand and wave a magic wand all these things have to go through very laborious local processes so that's where all the detail will come in and that's where the problems will lie at the local planning
1: level David, you've raised so many questions. I have so many more, but we have to leave it there. Um, we'll chat on and off there on another occasion about this as well, including the huge questions that you and I and Annetta and everyone has about the debt break as well. Uh, and again, I want you to answer my question at some stage as well about the Frau Merkel legacy, but uh, um, fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. Thank you, David. Really Thank nice we'll to see you from Berlin. A later.
0: We'll sort of on the conundrums later, I'm sure, Steve.
1: Yeah, it would be nice to see you in the flesh, round the desk at some stage. Maybe we can have a new show where we'll sit with a bottle of red as well. Was that a different kind of show. Well, I hope so, too. <laughs> That's a different kind of show. It's an evening show. Uh, David, thank you very much indeed for that. Uh, David Thank Marsh, you. It's nearly the weekend. Goodbye. David Marsh, chairman of uh, the Official Monetary and uh, Financial Institution Forum. That's OMFIF as well. Right, OK. So, the first female prime minister of Sweden has uh, resigned. Oh. <laughs> um, really? She didn't last long, did she? How long did she last? Hours, apparently. Hours into her first day. Well, that didn't work very well, did it? Um, after her coalition collapsed... Um, the social democrat Magdalena Andersson's Green Partners Green Party partners quit after the well, I mean the, the, there there's a metaphor for the previous story maybe we're seeing it here in in Stockholm anyway Andersson's Green Party partners quit after the Swedish parliament rejected a coalition budget bill in favor of one presented by other groups Complicated, isn't it? Other groups, including, yep, Sweden's Democrats. uh, Sweden Democrats, which is a populist party with neo-Nazi roots. The Parliament Speaker will contact the leaders of the country's main parties to set out the next steps uh, later on today. Wow, that is complicated. Uh, Coming up on the show, though... Countries across Europe are implementing more stringent restrictions as COVID infections rise. We'll explore some of the new, some of the old tactics and the WHO's recommendations after the break. Claudia's waiting in the wings. We'll come to you now, uh, 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 Claudia. Uh, Right, OK. The WHO has warned that the coronavirus will spread faster during holidays and the festive season. The group flagged Europe as the new epicentre of the pandemic as it raised concerns about what it called a false sense of security. Director-General of the World Health Organisation, Tedros Ghebreyesus, uh, says uh, that countries must continue to embrace preventative measures alongside COVID vaccines.
0: Last week, more than 60% of all reported cases and deaths from COVID-19 globally were once again in Europe. The sheer number of cases is translating to unsustainable pressure on health systems and exhausted health workers. In many countries and communities, we're concerned about the false sense of security that vaccines have ended the pandemic and that people who are vaccinated do not need to take any other precautions.
1: Italy has tightened its coronavirus restrictions, stopping unvaccinated people from going to the movies, bars and sports centres. The country also says its Green Pass, which grants those who have been vaccinated access to places, will become Mandatory. The new regulations take effect from December 6th. Under more new rules, which take effect later next month, health workers, school staff, and the police and military must now be vaccinated. The Prime Minister, Mr Draghi, says the new COVID restrictions will help sustain the economic and social progress that Italy has made. This year, Italians have reacted. The economy is growing more than 6%. We've regained our social life, our social interactions. We've started to behave normally again. This is the spirit of these measures. We want to keep this normality. We don't want the risks of this normality. And it's in this spirit that we took the measures, looking at the desire to continue staying open, to move around, to have fun, to buy, to fight poverty, to keep kids in school and to be happy. This is the perspective that justifies these measures.